0: Amen. Good morning. Take your Bibles and open up to Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. It's good to see everyone this morning and glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, if you're a guest, returning guest, and haven't filled out a Connect card, do so so that we can reach back out to you. And uh, We're not going to show up at your doorstep. Uh, this afternoon. It'll be next Sunday. No, I'm kidding. uh, We just want to reach out and let you know more about our church and answer any questions you may have. But this uh, Sunday, we're beginning a new sermon series called I Promise. And this sermon series is actually across our three campuses. So at the main campus, north campus, and east campus today and through the rest of February. In fact, even to the first weekend in March, we're going to be preaching together uh, through the Old Testament covenants. And uh, the tie-in with I promise there is that a lot of times you may have heard that the Bible is a love letter, that it's God's love letter to people, right? We've heard that before. In fact, I may have even used that language before. Love letters are written and they are sent to communicate a depth of emotion, a depth of feeling, a depth of love from one person to another. It's very likely that in here you have either sent or received a love letter before show of hands of, of how many of you have either written or received a love letter of any kind any kind None of the teenagers And children want to raise their hands because then they'll have to explain that and that'll be awkward But even if you sent, in uh, I mean a, a text message or you typed it in the note section of your phone and you shared it Or you did the pen and paper and you re- wrote it down and you sent it out We're so familiar Uh, with with love letters and so i want to give you an example of love letter contents you have captured my heart my treasure my bride you hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes with a single jewel of your necklace that's pretty good right well that's from the bible did y'all know that that's song of songs chapter 4 verse 9 so guys if you send that to your ladies don't plagiarize reference song of songs Well, some love letters are better than others. I want you to check out this uh, video. Oh, look at this beautiful view. You are also, you are beautiful too. That is just a sneak peek of what you would get if you gave me a chance, please, (laughs) please. That's the worst, the worst. That guy did not get that date, I promise. I don't know, maybe it's just me. I thought that was the best video I've ever seen in a while. So... Some love letters are better than others. Uh, we think about the scriptures, the, the Bible, as we said before, the Bible is often referred to as God's love letter to people. Well, if this is, was entirely true, then we, being the object of God's affection, would be the priority of God. If the Bible is, is a love letter from God to people— then we being the object of God's affection would be the priority of God. And if we are, it would stand to reason then that life is all about us. That life and God's purposes and his connections and all that he is revolves around us because we are the object of God's affection. We are the recipient. He is the sender. Well, here's the problem with that. We're just really not all that great, y'all. That's the problem is that we're really, we we have all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. And God's God's love for us is certainly a theme of Scripture, but it is not the theme of Scripture. Important for us to realize that today, because once we get that, we will give more honor to the sender, rather than more emphasis to the recipient. God's love for man Reveals that he desires a right relationship with his creation. However, God's love for man reveals something greater about the sender than it does the recipient. It is more about, in plain terms, it is more about the glory of God than us. God's will will win out. This series is about Old Testament covenants. And covenants are what? Covenants are agreements. Covenants are promises promises are made agreements are made within a relationship And just seeing that god would make promises to people in scripture We understand that god is relational. He has relational attributes and he is willing to make a way for us To have a relationship with him even when we're really just not all that great lord. Thank you so much for your word pray today as we open your bible that we would see how you are working for our good, but it is purposed for your fame, your glory, your honor, your will. God, may we make much of you today. Lord, would we realize who you are, what you've done for us, how you've chosen to express yourself, so that if we have not already, we would worship you one more time before we leave here. And Lord, I pray for those who are listening God, if there is a great need for you in the personal life of it, just one or many, that we would simply turn to you in faith and seriously turn from ourselves. God, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Real quick, as we ask for a show of hands of those that have written or received love letters, all right, holy risk here. Let me just, how about a show of hands for anybody that's ever walked the aisle for any reason? prayer, to come to the altar, to talk to a counselor, to, to receive Christ. Okay. For, I just want everybody to kind of look around because some people are like, I think I have what that. Look, when we give an invitation in here, everybody in here knows the deal because they've recognized their need for God too. So, so when we are saying we have people here that want to talk to you, or if you need to respond to God today and you don't even know what that looks like, just know, as we all look around, We've recognized our need for God too. So we don't think you're weird. In fact, we ought to be praying for you as you walk. Amen? So let's, let's get into it in Genesis chapter 6. What we're going to see is what we've looked at a few weeks ago with Noah. But we see man's mess. And God saw man's mess. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, the Bible says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. God saw all of this. It sure doesn't take long uh, for sin to get started, does it? Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God's creation. Genesis 3, sin and judgment. One chapter later. Now, I realize the amount of years it takes between one chapter to the other, but from the heart and the actions of just two, we find a world gone wrong in a couple pages later. This should really help us to realize the danger of sin and the influence that we have on a generation behind us. That mamas and daddies and grandparents and bosses, leaders and friends, we have people looking to us for our influence, seeing what we allow and what we don't allow. They are are peering into our life and it's important what we share for those coming behind because what we see here is the nature of sin and it all went wrong in just a couple of chapters. My my wife, I was talking to Brittany this morning, Brittany had to carry me to church today because my truck wasn't acting right at the house. And so I came back in and said, you're going to have to, to bring me to church. And, and so she did. And she drove me here and, and she like dropped me off. She's like, okay, buddy, get your stuff together. <laughs> Cause I always carry a backpack and, um, and I had, uh, I had my laptop because I preached, I preached Sunday morning's message three times twice here one at nine and then again at 10 30 and then once on the truck on the way here so so this morning I didn't want to change anything up so I'm going I'm going through my message uh just like normal she's just gonna have to sit there and take it right so I'm 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 preaching and talking and then uh, there there's a part in here where I've got down to sing an illustration right and 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 I, I was like what is your deal with when I sing like I feel like it makes you nervous and she's like it totally makes me nervous She's like, it catches me off guard. It catches people off guard. I'm not sure it's how it's gonna go. So let's do it anyway. <clears throat> oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know this one? You good? Right. <laughs> oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the father up above, he is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. God sees. He sees it all. We've covered this. God sees what's in the light and what's in the darkness. God sees everything that you've done. He knows the things that are in your head, the things that you've not done, but you're surely thinking about it. God knows if you've had impure thoughts this morning or hadn't started yet. He knows if you will. God sees it all. He's everywhere present. This is a God characteristic of God. God saw the world. And he saw that everything, everything was wicked. And at this point in Genesis, evil purposes, violent living without order, corruption in the mind and in the conduct, this this was living outside of God's will. Everyone's heart, mind corrupt. Overall, man had sinned against God and God knew it. Secondly, this is what he felt in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. That that is hard to even read and just face value, right? God was sorry that he had ever made them and that he put them on the earth. Why did God feel this way about this generation of wicked people, that he was sorry for them, and it wasn't anger first, but it was pity. He felt bad. It's because people were made in the image of God. We were made special by God, meant to reflect his glory, meant to represent his interest on the world. And an entire generation of people turned and went in a different way. God breathed life into people. Spiritual beings, you know what that means? It means that spiritual beings, they are God conscious. They have the ability to want to seek after God, know God, and God gave them identity. He again had breathed breath into life into them. But in their freedom, every person believed the recipient to be more important than the sender. The scripture says in Genesis 127, God created human beings in his own image. This was way before the flood. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of God about who we are are and what we did was take that responsibility to be an image bearer and turned it towards more emphasis on the recipient than the sender as a kid i remember being in a classroom and and the teacher was up teaching us and maybe we were getting towards a holiday or maybe it was the end of the school year and so she saw an opportunity to give us free time because we'd earned it or whatever and she says, all right, guys, I'm going to give you all this. I'm going to give you about an hour where you've got free time and put on a movie and do whatever. I don't know, remember what it was specifically. But we all got excited because we wanted that to happen, right? An hour of just nothingness or entertainment instead of having to work on something. And that hour lasted for real about three minutes because after three minutes, we lost it. In our freedom... Instead of respecting the sender, we had every focus toward the recipient. And the message went from be blessed to I'm sorry I ever gave y'all this time. Right? Do you remember that? It didn't take very long for sin to get started and corruption to come into the classroom. And all of a sudden, what she was trying to give us was now met with pity from her to us. She's sorry that she ever gave us the freedom This is what we see in the scripture. The reality, the Bible says that the overall reality of what was happening, he knew what was happening, but it was just what was happening. And it broke God's heart. That's what the Bible says. It broke his heart. See, we often think of this flood and we think, man, God was fired up. He was really, really angry with them to do that. But in fact, what the Bible says is that his heart was broken. Because he had created and given life to man And he didn't have to And they were made in his image To understand that God is above And they broke all of those things That God had put before him And and yes, it was his desire to bless And yes, also the truth of the scripture is Is that whom the Lord loves He disciplines But he doesn't discipline Until we need it Are y'all hearing me? Listen, it is god's desire to bless you And that doesn't mean he's going to give you a a house and three cars What that means is is he's going to provide for you And he's going to protect you for the purposes of his glory and your good It is god's desire to bless you the discipline comes because of us not because of god Because God is holy and just the discipline will come as a father loves his children as a mother loves her children But we invite the discipline when God is trying to give you the blessing students teenagers college people in this place today God's desire is for you to be blessed. He is not trying to take away your fun And even if he was he's God and you're not God is trying to give you a future and a hope It is his desire to bless you. If you think God is out to get you, it's because we're walking a guilty distance. We're separating ourselves because we're going a different way. Amen. (laughs) You're all right. It's happened to all of us and you're good. That's what God felt. It broke his heart. And then this is what God decided. And you've got to see what God decided because of who he is. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, the Bible says, God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. Lord, help us to understand your truth. See, God, you, what, you, what you're going to see here is all sorts of relative attributes. God is patient. Are you hearing me? Anybody in here can, can give glory to God for his patience for you and me. Thank God for his patience and his endurance with me. Lord, he he still has to give me patience. Uh, He has patience for me, and I'm so grateful. God is is certainly patient. He wants us to come around, y'all. That's that's what the Scripture is even telling us. His patience is for our good, so that all should come to repentance. Amen? And so that none should perish. That's why his patience is in place. And God is patient. He is so patient with the whosoever. Everybody that would come under his terms to, to know him, to live right before him. But listen, while God is patient, he's also holy. He is set apart. I'm not talking about just about like good, I'm talking about holy. No blemish within God. And because God is holy, and because he has relative attributes, God has to act as judge. Because in order for us to be right with God, we have to be right with God on his terms. Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, Jesus said, I want you to listen to this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. You know what that means? Payday someday. That's what that means. At some point, God's patience will give way to his righteous judgment, and his spirit will no longer strive with you. No longer will he be drawing you away from yourself and to his righteousness, because now his patience has given way to his judgment. There comes a time when God's judgment arrives and God's spirit will no longer work on you. And here, listen, I, I promise you today, I am not trying to scare you towards heaven, but I will certainly warn you Because of what I see as truth in the scripture. And what you've got here is Jesus saying in the days of Noah, everybody loved the deal that they had because they were more about the recipient than the sender. And everybody was going on about their business. And then as that boat had been built and everybody was making fun of Noah for what he had done, then the rain started falling, y'all. And in the middle of their parties and in the middle of their weddings... That rain started falling. Now listen, often we think of Noah's ark like we think of it as a kid. We don't see the death and destruction. We see the ark, the waters rising. We see the dove. We see them getting back out in the rainbow. Y'all, can you imagine? When the Lord shut the door, that's what the Bible says. The Lord shut the door on the ark. They were inside. The waters begin to rise. The floods are coming. And people are gnawing and scratching to get in that boat. This is serious. I I really wish I could get up here and tell jokes all day, but I'm not funny. And that's what God's given me to do is to tell the truth of his scripture, that it will be like this when the Son of Man comes. It will be like this in the days of Noah. You see, this is why I asked on the front how many of you have responded to the altar because I guarantee you there's people here, and I'm not trying to manipulate a decision, but you need to make one. You need to make one. Because this, this reality of hell and separation from God is the truth of the Scripture. People trying to get in after the fact. Real death. Real separation from God. I've made the statement before. I think the thing that scares me is when I think about it even more than hell. is separation from God that no longer can I call on Him anymore. There will be a day when His Spirit no longer strives with you. And in the end, it will be holy, comprehensive judgment. What that means is, is that his will will win. His will will have its way. Again, it's, 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 we, don't, we, won't, we don't want to mess with the deal we got. And I would even say this. Sometimes we, we don't want to consider what to do next because we got a good deal, right? Lord, we're so thankful for your salvation, And we don't say it out loud, but we're going to do what we want to do. And when we do that, the focus is on the recipient rather than the sender. So if we don't want the Lord messing with the deal we got, because we got salvation, now we're just going to skip on about life until we get to heaven. Well, see, you're missing the whole point. It's about God's glory, not your good timing. And this decision that that God had made to exercise judgment, comprehensive judgment, was not without warning. 2 Peter 2, 5 tells us that Noah warned the world of God's judgment. He was a preacher of righteousness. Whether it was with his life and his honor and belief towards God, or whether he stood up and voiced that the judgment waters of God is coming. See, we can, we can surely know then that that was reality. You need to surely know now that God's judgment is coming again. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, 55 verse 6, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Y'all didn't hear it. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. The first time I ever, ever came across that passage and it gripped my heart. I got a phone call from, uh, there was a kid that, that passed away. In fact, he committed suicide from the community that I grew up in. His uncle called me and asked me if I would do the funeral. I'm not kidding. I had the message written down, ready to preach it 30 minutes after the phone call. God's Spirit put this word on my heart for those people. And as I gave it, I gave that scripture and preached through it. There's a whole host of teenagers there. They're kind of in the same lifestyle, and I know this, and they know it too, that this young man was involved in, and I hate the way that it ended. I'm at the graveside and there's a, there's a family in front of me and I'm trying to minister to the family that's in front of me. And again, the Spirit of God and this Scripture knocks on my heart's door and all those teenagers lined up behind me and I just turned around and told them. I said, seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him now while He is near. All those hands that went up mean that there's come a time in our life when we recognized who we are and who we're not and who God is and we need God. And God has made a way through Jesus. And it moved us to the point where we went to somebody that could help us with that. And so that's why we have an invitation. You don't have to walk the aisle, but I'm just telling you we're here to help you. Because when we say seek the Lord while you can find him and call on him now while he is near, we want to be here to help you when you call. Now don't miss, in all of this, don't miss God's mercy. Because man made a mess of it. But don't miss the mercy of God. God had pronounced his decision of judgment in verse 7. But look at verse 8. Look at Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. But Noah found favor with the Lord. But Noah, did you see that change of direction? When you study the Bible on your own this week and you're reading a passage of Scripture, you need to look for what's repeated and we're going to look at that in just a second. But you also need to make notes of when there's a change of direction. Because this change of direction when he says but Noah means that there can be a change of direction for you too. When you study the Bible, notice this, these two words, but Noah. If there is a need of change in direction for your life, you have got to see today where this change of direction is leading away from the world and towards favor with the Lord. Towards favor with the Lord. Now here's what we think. How do we get that favor? Right? Right? That's our first thought. Well, how do we get that favor? What do we got to do to get God's favor? But don't misunderstand. The favor of God is not about a a bunch of us getting up a bunch of new disciplines. It's about new belief. New belief that you take God at his word and you'll do whatever he says. That's where the favor of God is playing in. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. It was by faith that Noah... Look at what's repeated. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. And he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Three times faith repeated there. You see, Noah found favor with the Lord not because he was just that good a guy. Noah didn't find favor with the Lord because he built the boat... Noah built the boat because he believed. Do You see that? He built the boat and did the impossible, something only you could do with God, because he believed God. So when God, and it says it in the scripture, God had him build this cruise ship. The Bible says, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. It's kind of like your cable or Wi-Fi provider. Think about this. All of these offers out there for something better than the deal you got, right? And you're looking at all these offers. We get them all the time. Switch to us. You can have these channels. Switch to us. And it'll lower your payment. All these things. I can talk all day long about how they're a better provider, but guess what? I don't really believe it until I take them on as my provider. Until I take them on as my provider and start using their services all this other stuff is just a bunch of talk. It's not real faith. It's just what I'm talking about. See, Noah didn't build the ark to gain favor with God. Noah believed God and then built the ark. If your hands and your feet and your mouth are not doing what you, want God know, what you know God wants them to do, it's likely because you believe that your way is better than his. You may not say it out loud, but that's the truth of it. You believe that your way is better than God's. That Jesus said that the sin of the world is that they do not believe me. They don't believe. They don't believe that my way is better. Noah is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Great examples of faith. The Hero Hall, the Faith Hall of Fame. He's not mentioned for building the ark. He's mentioned for believing God to the point that he built the ark. Noah was not deserving of god's mercy now this point has to do with god's mercy and we hadn't gotten there yet but don't miss it don't miss his mercy noah was not deserving of god's mercy either he was not deserving of god's mercy even though he believed god but he received it i remember uh when i was a senior in high school we had played basketball one night we got our head beat in which happened a lot i hate that but we played and after we got beat two of my teammates decided that they were not going to shake hands with the other team. Now, this is pre-COVID where you could actually shake hands instead of doing that wave thing that's weird and awkward. But we walked across and we shook hands and I saw them and they just like, no, we're out. And they went to the locker room. The next day, my coach saw it too. And we all ran. Not just them two, but we all ran. I'm not bitter about it or anything, but maybe a little. But we all ran because we were all a part of the loss. All a part of the team. Nobody told them, hey man, get y'all's tail over here and say good game or whatever. They went to the locker room. We were all a part of that. And so the coach's decision was really to show none of us mercy. Listen to me. You know God could have done that same thing. Noah and his family had a nature to sin just like all the other ones. God could have decided To wipe it all away and create again with two new people? Or, listen, listen, God could have decided to wipe it all away and not do any of that. And that means you and I are not looking at each other and listening right now. Do you realize that? That God, and the scripture says, our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he wants to. If he wanted to, he could have just wiped it out and existed within himself. But instead, because of his character and his relative attributes, he left a remnant to begin humankind again. So that there would be a relationship and it would bring him glory. You see, sometimes this is why I want to sing all of our worship songs after the message because now we finally get it. But we're going to have one more chance before we leave. Amen, Dwayne? To sing again. God didn't have to spare Noah and his family. And had that been his desire, there may not have been life here. But now, not only do we have life, but he has made a way for us to have life eternal. Don't miss his mercy. Don't miss his mercy. We're all thinking about how God is angry. Don't miss the mercy of God. We want God to line up with what we think. We want God to show us mercy and grace and love because we exist. Well, God don't line up with us. We line up with God. Have we lost our sense of anybody over us? That's what I'm afraid of for our culture. Nobody can tell me what to do. God can't tell you what to do. Don't miss His mercy Genesis chapter six verse eighteen. This is the first mention of a covenant in Scripture. The first mention of an agreement, a promise, a relationship with His people. Genesis six eighteen, but I will confirm my covenant with you. I will confirm my covenant with you. This is something that God is doing. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Everything on earth would die. Everything. The rest of created order would be destroyed. But Noah and his family and the animals would be kept alive by the mercy of God. The covenant promise was established by God to a believing remnant. Notice that, my covenant with you. It was a relational covering to protect and to provide for as well as save. This is a partnership with God, where God would do and they would have responsibilities within that agreement. His judgment was there because he's holy, but his covering is also there because he is merciful. God provided the covering of the ark and the floodwaters rushed in and God kept them safe and provided for and purposed the whole time. Church, see the character of God And the desire and the links he goes to for relationship. See the love of the sender and not just be about the recipient. Now let's talk about God's glorious mission and let's close this thing down. The specifics of the covenant are covered in Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 6 introduces the covenant. Then we find out in chapter 9 what this is all about. A covenant again is an agreement that involves obligations, benefits for both parties involved. Now, what's repeated in chapter nine, verses one and seven is this. Be fruitful and multiply. Now think about what we're looking at here. Now don't, don't trail off on me. Stay, stay with me until we get finished. Think about what we just just happened. They're walking up out of that boat, and can I, I don't even know how to picture it, but everything is gone. Everything that they knew. Maybe the people that they were were hoping for to be saved. Maybe the people that they knew and really had good relationships, they're gone. They're all gone. All the things that had been built up were now washed away. It was, it was really a, a creation state again. And I'm sure there were all kinds of emotions when you walk out of a boat, and like, I, I'm sure once they, they saw the light of day, it was like coming off quarantine, right? When they were just skipping up on the Yes! Yeah. Right? They were really excited they have life. But don't you know, don't you know there was probably guilt in that too? Like they walked off the boat and and they almost felt guilty because they were alive. And you've got to know that there was this, what are we supposed to do? And then God, because when God gives life, He gives purpose. And God gave them purpose. And He said, be fruitful fruitful. And multiply. It was a new day given by God by His grace and His mercy that they were saved, and then He was going to give them something to do be fruitful and multiply. What does that mean? Reproduce the life I have given you. You're an image bearer of God. Reproduce the life I've given you. You've been given new life, you've been given pardon for your sins. You've been given a way to relate to me. Now you reproduce that life in the life of someone else. This is the image of God bears. This is what God's glorious mission is for us to be. Church, be careful with your personal agendas. Are you hearing me? As long as you're here, let me talk. Be careful with your personal agendas. If you're not careful with all these personal agendas you've got, you're going to be more faithful to temporary times than the instruction of God. And the Bible says, be fruitful and multiply. The Bible says, go and make disciples. The Bible says, go into the world and preach the good news. What I see more of is Christians wanting to shout people down and talk about why they're right and why you're wrong. But That's what we've got. And we've got to be careful of because we'll end up representing something that God is not. And somebody may come back and say, yeah, but there's a time where Jesus turned those tables over. But I saw him do that a couple times in Scripture. we got to stop turning tables over in our anger and start making disciples. Instead of turning the table over, why don't you sit down with somebody and make a disciple out of someone at that table? Are you hearing me? We do this, listen to me, please, please. We do this and think we are doing right by God. But really all we're doing, all this stuff in the name of Christianity, all we're doing is putting off what God's told us to do the whole time. Be fruitful and multiply. Go and make disciples. Go and preach the good news. Is that what we're doing? Or are we just shouting folks down? Yes, Jesus turned those tables over. But more than anything, he spent time with those that he was pouring his life into so that they would influence generations to come. Be careful with your agendas. You're going to miss the whole thing. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. If anyone takes a human life. Now listen. That person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. There it is again. Do you see the value that God is placing on life? He places this tremendous value on life. Don't take another person's life because that's an image bearer of God. God was reestablishing the value and the purpose of human life. Life is precious and it begins at conception. Don't you take another human life. People are image bearers of God, meant to reflect his glory. From the womb, God's desire is for humans to be redeemed, to reflect his glory and his goodness. And we're part of that mission. Look at God's promise as a part of that mission. The Bible says in chapter 9, verse 11, Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. This was a promise, as the Bible says in chapter 9, verse 12. This is a promise for mankind all generations to come is what the Bible says. God would do this regardless of what they did. You know what that is? It's an unconditional covenant. I will give you this sign. I know y'all are going to act a fool at some point. And I'm going to give you this sign anyway. Because I'm betting not on your faithfulness but on mine. God's promises the bible says jesus is faithful even when we're unfaithful is what the bible says so in chapter 9 verse 11 god says never again will flood waters kill all living creatures never again will a flood destroy the earth because god knew that he would be faithful and when he makes promises he keeps them and this promise is a rainbow in the sky listen to me that is what the rainbow means and, and I know that we see that rainbow in different contexts. And regardless if it's on the sticker of back on somebody's car or up in the sky, God purposed it for his glory to say, I'll never do this again to mankind. And it's a reminder that he makes a way for us to turn to ourselves and turn to him. That's what, that's what that sign is. It's a symbol as a reminder that we can be saved and be right with him. That, that's where identity should come from. I, I remember, and in, in, in this is what the Bible says, I, I've placed my rainbow in the skies. It's a sign of my covenant with you and with the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I'll remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. This is what the sign is for. For redemption to to be a promise that God will save and he will not do this again. But judgment will come. It's all wrapped up in that rainbow. Y'all, and this is a cool thing. When I see a rainbow in the sky, you can give me all the science you want. That's awesome. This is the thing that video game design people are trying to make and put in their games. That's the kind of stuff that God's made and put in the sky for that purpose. The colors The scheme and all of that it's it's amazing. I I remember when I was a kid uh, the family the, the the home my family we grew up in was at the top of a hill and at the bottom of that hill was a creek And sometimes it would rain and then it would rain and it would rain and that creek would sprawl out And like it would creep up the hill as it got wider And I remember it being scary for a little bit and i'd go to my mom and dad be like is that water gonna come up here and get us? Because you look on the news and you see flooding and things happening depending on where the water line is and the landline and all that But we were at the top of a hill And it would have taken a rain seriously out of biblical proportions to come up and get us But guess what it ain't going to Because god put the rainbow in the sky as a show of his mercy So that every time we feel a raindrop we don't freak out Any of y'all start freaking out yesterday when you felt the rain You know why we don't do that? Because God's promised he'll never destroy the earth that way again don't miss the mercy of God but don't read it wrong either because God will not flood the earth again but creation will again be surely judged are you hearing me as we close it down creation again will be surely judged because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And there is coming a day that will not be water rushing in of judgment, but it will be fire. And this is what the Bible says. Don't check out. The Bible says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Man, that's just mythical stuff that happened. Yeah, that's what they said too before the water started dropping and the earth started opening up. This is a truth of God's Scripture. And listen, even if we don't live to that day, the Bible says that there is death to come to all of us and right after that will be the judgment. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Yes, there is judgment that is coming. But are you hearing the bad news, hear the good news, that God has made a way for you to miss hell and make heaven? God has made a way. This time it's not going to be the structure of an ark. This time it has already been covered by the structure of that cross. God made a way for you and for me To have what is undeserved, which is heaven. And when we have new life, we have been given the privilege of serving for his purposes, which is to reflect his glory down here until we get up there. He's made a way. Now, if God's made a way, don't reject it. If God has made a way, seek him while you can find him. And call on him now while he is near. Amen?